Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. This is the Movie Pod series, and we are about to do the 1991 film Backdraft. But first, let's hear from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. They're your number one source for all your basketball futures playoffs options right now. You can head on over there and check out anything from baseball to that basketball to live favorite casino games and card games that are available to play right from your very home. So what are you waiting for? Get into the action today. Head to the website, use your mobile device to join, and be sure to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only at BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. When you're listening to this right now, it is the 32nd anniversary of the 1991 film Backdraft. So let's bring in our panel for today. Look, now this guy right here, he is a living thing. He breathes. He eats. He also hates. But the only way to beat it is to think like him. He's not moving because he is a mixture of flammable liquids. He is moving just because he wants to. Look, this guy's a little bit different. He don't love fire. He's a torch with a conscience. So it's time to dig in. God damn it. It's Dan Sanders Joyce. What's up, Dan? Just burn it all. Burn it all. And this next guest. He's hot and smoky, but he's not rolling yet. You know he's you know he's up to something when he's banging on the roof because he's got something on his mind. Come on, you sneaky little son of a bitch. Tell me where you came from. Tell me where you started. He's about to dance with the animal. It's Jeff Meacham. Oh, guys, I got a Chinese sponge cake for lunch, and I'm ready to take a car ride with you. <laughs> Who is Holcomb? Who is Holcomb? That's right. We're talking about the 1991 film Backdraft, directed by Ron Howard. Starring Kurt Russell, starring uh, starring William Baldwin, score by Hans Zimmer, came out May twenty fourth, nineteen ninety one. A film that grossed one hundred and fifty two point two million dollars. Gentlemen, we're gonna get into the year nineteen ninety one in just a second. But on the rewatch, I just want to get your first blush thoughts on a film that I grew up thinking was a classic. It's not exactly the most perfect movie in the world, but Dan, uh, first blush thoughts on the rewatch of Backdraft. Man, it was a it was a fun ride. I- I remember distinctly, and I'm sure you're going to get to this question later, but I'm going to preempt it. I, this movie was one that like my mom, I was living with my mom at the time. She was like, no, you cannot see it. And I snuck it with my buddy, Michael Henderson, uh, growing up in Goochland, Virginia, went to his place. He had a VHS copy of it, watched it. The, the top, the, the, um, top of the fire truck scene is like still a goal. I still want to bang a chick on top of a fire truck. Um, but watching Jennifer Jason Lee go down on, on Billy Ball, like it's seared into my brain. I will never forget that moment ever as like an 11 year old kid watching it for the first time. Um, oh no, I couldn't have been 11. No, maybe I was, it was probably like 94, 95 when I, when I actually saw this, actually maybe even like 96 when I saw this for the first time. Um, uh, but rewatch was great, man. It was super fun. Uh, there's some great quotes. Look at him. That's my brother. God damn it. I mean, just so much great Kurt Russell. God damn it's at the end of great lines. It's uh, it's it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. Yeah, just throwing in a great God damn it for emphasis in the middle of one of these movies. I texted you guys last night. This is the movie for that. Jeff Meacham, uh, your thought on the rewatch of Backdraft. Yeah, this is yet another one of those movies. And I know we're all there in, in similar age groups where I must have watched this movie 700 times. You know, I, this is definitely a rewatch, a rental that I got all the time that was part of my big five. Remember, I've told you about my five movies for $5 for five days when I was at my dad's house in the summertime. So I'm sure Backdraft made the rotation two times a summer. 
uh, after 91. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I, I guess I also rewatching it now as an adult, really, there's so many things I didn't know as a kid, which is a good thing, you know, like I, I, you learn a lot of stuff, but I had no idea what an alderman was. Um, what I lakeside also, dynamics is up to. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> lakeside dynamics. Just, don't pay attention to it all. And again, another movie where smoking is so prominent. It's for <laughs> firefighters too. Like those dudes just inhale. They smoke. Well, they they're called smoke eaters. Doesn't Billy Baldwin call them smoke eaters at one point? Yeah, the and when when Scott Glenn after the first fire <laughs> takes just this long inhale drag, like he's like he needed to breathe, <laughs> and the smoke comes out. You're like these poor men. So I, I guess rewatching that was a big one for me again, which happens all the time with the eighties and nineties. I'm like, did everybody smoke? I guess I just forgot that. Everybody smoked. Yeah, even in the even in the hospitals, which we didn't see in this one, but that was definitely a trope in the nineties of smoking in hospitals. Smoking yeah, that's such hospitals. a great bit by that's such a great bit of yeah, he can't breathe uh, in the smoke, and then he takes a long drag of a cigarette and he goes, <laughs> oh, thank God. It's like, <laughs> it's like an advertisement for Paul Mall. So let's do it. Um, Tradition that's tried and true. Let's talk a little bit about the movies that came out in May. I also have to do the top grossing films of 1991 because this also will blow your fucking mind. Okay, so May 1991. Um, we've done this a lot here before on the pod. Honestly, this might be one of the most adult uh, months I've ever seen of movie releases in a very long time. So here's how it goes. May 3rd. One Good Cop with Michael Keaton, kind of an underrated uh, early precursor for what he would end up kind of playing the character in Batman. Uh, May 7th, the horror film, Sometimes They Come Back. May 7th, also The Haunted. May 10th, great underrated film, FX2. May 10th, Madonna, Truth or Dare. May 13th, the first one, uh, Muppets 3D. May 17th, What About Bob? May 20th, Omen 4. May 23rd, Hudson Hawk. May 24th, Only the Lonely with John Candy. May 24th, Truly Madly Deeply with Alan Rickman. May 24th, Thelma Louise. And May 24th, Backdraft. That is some adult fare there, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, so here, So here are the top grossing films of 1991. Now, at this time in 1991, I just stuck with domestic um, to kind of do these little rankings here. But here we go. Number one film in 1991, Terminator 2. Number two, Prince of Thieves. Three, Home Alone. Four, Silence of the Lambs. Five, City Slickers. Six Dances with Wolves, Seven Sleeping with the Enemy, Eight Adam's Family, Nine Naked Gun, Two and a Half, Ten Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Two Secret of the Ooze, Eleven Backdraft, Twelve Hot Shots, Thirteen Beauty and the Beast because it came out later that year, Fourteen Hook, Fifteen What About Bob, Sixteen Kindergarten Cop with honorable mentions like The Rocketeer, Cape Fear, Point Break, My Girl, and Godfather Three, rounding out the top twenty-five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is an amazing year of film in 1991. I want to throw this one at you guys, and this is not necessarily about the movie, but maybe about how we view movies now. Backdraft was nominated for three Oscars. It was nominated for Best Sound, Best yeah. Sound Editing, and Best Visual Effects. All three of those nominations lost to Terminator 2. So, Jeff, I want to ask you a question. Best Visual Effects, looking back now, I understand that T2 changed the game. But every single movie now has best visual effects. And this movie is actually creating fire and managing it and shooting it real time. No, no VX effects. So in a weird way, is Backdraft kind of being robbed the Oscar here out of T2 because it was one of the last bastions of actually doing it 
for real with practical actual effects yeah i hear you it's impossible right but you know what i'm saying right yes i do know what you're saying here's the one that i thought of and i really thought you were going to ask this question and i thought of this particular moment not the giant fire moments not the you know not the chemical factory at the end of course those are incredible i really don't know how they did it but there's one moment that really got me and that's when Robert De Niro is sitting in the back of his car and he's figured it out. And there's the trash can, right? Remember this moment? There's mm-hmm. the trash can and he tells, <sighs> yep. And he's, that is Billy Baldwin doing that. You can, it, there is not, there's no cutaway to a stunt double in that moment till after the shot. That's crazy. You guys, that is a trash can with an explosion inside of it. And he just lifts off the lid. Here's the star of the movie lifting off the lid an explosion of fire comes into his face and it's his job to look away. There's no way we do that today. Right? Like that's bananagram. So I can, you cannot argue with T2. I'm, I know I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But yes, for a movie that not for one second while I was watching this did I say, oh, that's fake. I never did that. I never did that watching Backdraft, but I definitely do it watching T2. When the T-1000 is running down the street, you absolutely can tell that those giant gunshots that are on his chest are little plastic pieces that are just hanging onto his chest that are kind of wiggling. But not in this movie. When they are in a when they are in the garment factory, and they say, when remember when he says, uh, what's the phrase that Russell says? He says like huddle together. There's a specific phrase like hunker down, and then oh, yeah. every yeah, hunker what is down, it? Yeah. Hunker down, yeah. And every oh, window dig blows in, out. Dig in, dig, dig in. in. That's it. Dig Good in, goddammit. Yeah, yeah. Dig in, goddammit. And every window explodes. How the fuck did they do that with men? They were in the shot. So I hear you, dude. Yeah, and so here's the thing. And Dan, I'm going to set you up on this just real quick because I'm not to keep like digging into T2. This is not what this pod is about. But again, <laughs> the stunt doubles in T2, uh, there are moments where you 1,000% know it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yep. And fun fact about this movie, if you look in the credits, Kurt Russell, Scott Glenn, and William Baldwin all get stunt credit in this film. That's a big so deal. I, I understand how T2 comes in and ushers in this whole new era of how we see film and how we understand entertainment. But for them to take down this movie like Backdraft, Dan, where the actual actors are actually doing it, the filmmakers are actually figuring out how to shoot this fire and control this fire, it really is an incredible achievement from Ron Howard's team. Yeah, I, I, genuinely. Um, and what's even funnier is this is the thing that got panned the hardest about this film, weirdly enough, was people kept saying, well, fire causes so much smoke that it would obscure. It's not realistic because... When you go into a fire, a, a burning building, it's so obscured with smoke you can't see, you know, three inches in front of your face. Um, and that was really like what people sort of harped on about this movie um, was that was how unrealistic it was. But just, I mean, that you the, and the fact that like the firefighters weren't in full gear, like Kurt Russell's running around without a helmet and a face mask on almost the entire movie. Like he doesn't wear the face. He tells Billy Baldwin to take the face mask off at one point, save your goddamn oxygen. Um, uh, but but what makes it so great for us, like as, as, as people that watch film and love film, to see these things being done and how these actors are, are navigating all of that uh, is actually what, what got panned the hardest from critics when it came out. Eh, maybe that and Billy Baldwin, but we'll get to that a little <laughs> bit later. Don't, don't you worry about that. I got things to say. <laughs> Let's stick uh, let's stick behind the camera for a second because I do want to kind of talk about uh, I do want to talk about Ron Howard 
So Ron Howard, obviously, we all know him from Happy Days, uh, American Graffiti, and then he gets behind the camera and he kind of goes on a bit of this run that begins with Splash in 1984, Cocoon in 85, Willow in 88, Parenthood in 89, Backdraft 91, Far and Away 92, The Paper 94, Apollo 13 95, Ransom 96, Ed TV 99, The Grinch 2000. So, I mean, it's a hell of a run. And Jeff, like, at the point of backdraft, this is pretty much right in the middle of, I don't want to say the peak of his powers, but we're getting pretty damn close, right? Like, I think maybe Apollo 13 is the best movie out of this bunch, but this is really kind of taking Ron Howard into a new, a new rare air, in my opinion. Like, this movie right here puts him on the blockbuster map, right? And it sets up a lot of all of these other movies that we understand from Ron Howard, and especially with him in the 2000s and what he gets a little bit more prestige. It's hard. Can can we just jump out right now? Because I don't have it in front of me. Who had it better in the '90s as directors? Did somebody? Did somebody have it? I mean, Spielberg. His run is unbelievable during the '90s as well, right? I mean, at this point, yeah. Spielberg list comes out of. I'm trying what? to think. Did Zemeckis do something other than Forrest Gump that we're not, not familiar with? I mean, James Cameron T2 and True Lies. Those two movies together. That's pretty damn that's, good. Those so good. Uh, yeah. Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez was starting to sort of make his name in in the nineties. That's later nineties. I think ninety six is is that movie, right? Oh, uh, it was Once Upon a Time in Mexico. That later, was early 90s. later. Oh, Desperado is like ninety six. Yeah, think. the other one. The other one is the 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 obvious one is you've got Scorsese with Back to Back, Goodfellas, Cape Fear. Then he does Casino in ninety five. Yeah, that's really that's good pretty, too. I think he does Sense and Sensibility right during that time. Um, we named a, a lot of movies, movie, you guys. Ron Howard did a lot of movies in the nineties. Ron Howard's that... Willow, Backdraft, Far and Away, like I, I would, and then and then to follow those up with Apollo thirteen. And you're forgetting he did the paper, which I love. The paper, Apollo thirteen, and Ransom are all back to back years. Didn't he have children during this time? How yeah. is that even possible that he was wasn't wasn't Bryce Dallas just a little nugget at this point? Like. Was he with his family? That's insanity. <laughs> Listen, far and away, I've made the argument that far and away is Tom Cruise's ultimate Tom Cruise movie, right? Because it's it covers all the things Cruise does in that movie. You talked about, you talked about that when we did the far and away pod. Did we do? <laughs> we did. We did during the lockdown. <laughs> yeah, we've done it, a lot of movies, beautiful. guys. We've, we've done, done a lot, lot of movies. We've done, we've a, done lot. a lot. And so the thing that I was trying to think of too, and, and Dan, if you want to hop in on this one, you know, I was trying to think, you know, when we talk about, I mean, Howard is right up there with a lot of the big name guys that we just mentioned, Scorsese, Spielberg's and stuff. I mean, the dude has a run that's pretty unassailable. What is Ron Howard? Does Ron Howard have an aesthetic though? When you think of Scorsese, you think right. of a certain type of film. No. When you think of no. Spielberg, you think of a certain type. I mean, he does epics, but you know, what is, does Ron Howard have an aesthetic? No, because look at what else he also is responsible for Arrested Development. I mean, I know he didn't create it, but he yeah. was the voice and directed a bunch of those. So, like, Ron, ha no, Ron Howard sort of like has this chameleon type essence about him that he can just dive into a project and make that project. Where, like, for the most part, if you turn on a, a movie, you can, and it's a Scorsese movie, you can go, this is a Scorsese movie, this is a Zemeckis movie, this is, you know, like you can, you can sort of see their, their signature fingerprints. I don't know that Ron Howard really has a signature fingerprint. 
does that help him? Does that help him or hurt him, Jeff? Does that help him or hurt him? You know what I, I mean? I, that's a great question. Uh, look, he's got the Academy Awards, guys. He's got the best pictures. He's checked all the boxes, so it's hard to. But I bet you any money, if you asked maybe someone not quite as big as fans as us, it'd be like, hey, what 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 movie of his won Best Picture? You'd be like, well, I'm not 100 percent sure. When I feel like we could do that with some of the other big ones, but it's just like a beautiful mind just happened. You know, it's like he, but he. Frost, Frost Nixon, that's an incredible movie. You know, like he's... Rush is incredible, too. Rush is a great movie. He did Cinderella Man. I mean, and then obviously he goes back into Franchise Fair with Da Vinci Code. So we got cut off for just a little second on the Ron Howard conversation. So, Ron Howard, you're going to take a back seat. And I want to move on to Kurt Russell. Let's have a Kurt Russell conversation. Uh, and this one's going to be very fun because this is one of my favorite Kurt Russell movies. And we're going to find out whether it's your favorite Kurt Russell movie, too, as well. Quick rundown of his credits. First acting credit in an episode of Dennis the Menace in 1962 as a little kid. But let's huh. fast forward to when he actually got on the scene. He did TV throughout the 70s. Um, look it up. I mean, he did everything from Gunsmoke to a little bit of everything. But really kind of made his mark, obviously, with Escape from New York in 1981. Was McReady in The Thing in 1982. Big Trouble Little China 1986. Tequila Sunrise 88. Tango and Cash 89. Backdraft 91. And then... Man, this is such an interesting Kurt Russell conversation. I mean, I, Unlawful Entry 92, Captain Ron 92, Tombstone. Hey, what's the to quiz question? What's the uh what's the um password in Unlawful Entry? Oh my can, god. Can you do it? No, oh. I can't. I can't. It's it was so- it was pyramid. It was pyramid. He couldn't figure pyramid. out the word pyramid and he had changed it. Yeah. Sorry. I lo- that's another one like you guys again. This is a period of time where, like, a movie like Un- Unlawful Entry, I watched a lot. I mean, and that's the thing. Stargate 94, Executive Decision 94. I love Stargate. Like, I mean, Jeff, like, these are good movies, but these aren't classics, right? Like, is that what Kurt Russell was in the 90s? Just, well, like, well, carrying the water in the 90s of, like, re- like movies that we were all really enjoying, but, like, Yeah, he never he's the name exploded. above the title. He's the name above the title in the 90s. This is still that era, you guys. This is the height of that era, if you he's will, a- where you... You go except see that movie. For, except for Tombstone. Tombstone, Tombstone, in my opinion, is a fucking classic. I mean, Tombstone that- and Tombstone is Tombstone. You're absolutely right. You don't say Kurt Russell and Tombstone. You say Tombstone, you know, yeah. but you say Kurt Russell and other things. Like, remember Kurt Russell and Soldier? I remember Soldier. I watched that movie a dump truck yep. of times. Like, these are all escape. And then I can't believe you jumped over Snake Plissken. I don't know what's wrong with you. Did no, you escape, from, escape from L.A. was 96, right? 97? Yeah. That I man's in '94 there, but you're right. <laughs> that no, but in '81 is Escape from New York. Um, did you say he started, he started? Yeah, he started his career with that. He said, "Okay, it, okay." Because yeah, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, in Escape from LA, he gets into the LA River on a surfboard and surfs the LA River. If, yes, he if, does. Yeah. Yes, he does. That's yeah. correct. And he does the uh, what's the game that he says he plays? It's like something where it's like German something, and he he th- he's like, "This is what we'll do." All the men have guns; they could kill him at any moment. And he's like, "Don't worry about it." I'm going to throw this thing into the air. And when it lands on the ground, we all start firing. And so he throws the object in the air and then just mows them all down. <laughs> and then it lands on the ground and he's like, go. <laughs> I love Kurt Russell. Dan, how would you yeah. describe his acting style? Perpetually bothered? Or, you know, what's... The, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just come on. God, God damn it. Like, he, like he had... damn it! Like, in his mind, he always has five other things he had planned to do yeah. today, but everyone else is just impeding that process. Kurt, Kurt Russell's acting style is Virgo. He just, like, all... He, he just... 
he 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 watches someone attempting to do something. He goes, just let me fucking do it. God, get God damn it, get out of here, and does it himself because he knows that that's the only way it's gonna really get done right is if he does it himself. Is that what it is, Jeff? We're like for Kurt Russell's acting style, life would be perfect if it wasn't for all these fucking people on the planet. Well, let's just let's. I mean, I'm really having a hard like. We love this man, but did was he ever nominated? Has he ever been in a best? Never, picture? never close. Never even close, right? I mean, are, are we in... sure he didn't get nominated for Tango and Cash? Are we sure? So I just no, want because Stallone, because Stallone got it that year, right? Still, I think Stallone took the big uh, the. We've got Ray Tango in the East. <laughs> um, that movie's. If you watch that movie again, it is nothing but one-liners. I'm not sure they actually have a conversation with each other, and they just one-liner each other. I don't. I'm. I'm I. I love him, and I've never even. But I never think about him. But every time he's in a movie, I. I'm addicted to watching him. I got excited when he was in the Fast and the Furious recently series, and I just. He did a great movie. He did Vanilla Sky with Tom Cruise. I'm like, I'm jumping through. I watched Stargate an uncomfortable number of times. So I love him, but I I have nothing to say other than he was just, I don't, I don't want to call him vanilla. I don't want to call him soft in any way. Like he was awesome, but. Yeah, no, uh, and, and to Google, follow up on that, I'll go for it, Dan. If you Google Kurt Russell nominations, one of the first things that pops up is Kurt Russell, a steady and dependable performer. Oscar recognition has somehow eluded him. <laughs> somehow, somehow, okay. somehow. You mean he didn't get nominated for Death Proof? Yeah, like, it, 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 he was great in Miracle. Uh, <laughs> it's it's Big Trouble in Little China's classic. I just he's an enigma. He's just a, a he's he's a he's a solid. He's thousand solid. miles to Graceland. But here's yeah, maybe this is the thing about Kurt Russell where maybe he doesn't have. I mean, I love his catalog, but I think if you stack it up against other great actors, I mean, it just it falls short, right? Sure. And a new a new segment, honestly, an old segment, but just an actual name to it. Let's go to Cruise Corner. Uh, Cruise's Corner here right now is that the big story was at the time was that Tom Cruise was adamant about Kurt Russell being in Days of Thunder. Um, and for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. And for the leading, so he fell in love with Kurt Russell. And then the very next year, Tom Cruise turns down this film uh, to be in backdraft. But he then calls his friend Kurt Russell and says, you have to read the script. You have to check this out. I think this is perfect for you. And it kind of got me thinking a little bit that, I mean, honestly, kind of pick any movie, like close your eyes and put your hand in a bowl. Any Bruce Willis movie, Sam Neill in Jurassic Park. If Kurt Russell plays that role, Jeff, I'm buying it. Absolutely. Like, I, I get it, right? Will Smith in Independence Day. I'm probably buying it. Like Kurt Russell, you put him in any film in any role, and I'm probably way down, and it probably makes sense. I think it was all interchangeable. And so when you see all these movies from the late 80s and early 90s, and you see the actors that either turned down the role or tested for it or whatever, they really are they were all interchangeable, and that's okay because they were fantastic at what they did. And I don't mind if Tom Cruise said no to this so Russell could do this. But, you know, uh, Johnny Depp could go do this weird movie. Maybe Johnny Depp is a bit of an exception because I'm not sure other people could do Ed Wood the way he did or what have you. But right, it's Kurt, interesting. Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell is Willy Wonka. I'm, I'm buying a ticket. <laughs> it's a little oh, late. God, get, the, get away from the chocolate. God damn it. Jesus Christ. God damn golden ticket. <laughs> Kurt Russell is Gilbert Grape. Could you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's so God. interesting. It's such a good point, Joey. It's like... 
they just were all, they were movie stars, man. They were all movie stars at the time. And they fit a little, you know, he does fit. How about we put him and Bruce Willis in the same category? Is that fair? Because they both- they That's could both good. do action and drama, and they had great, uh, uh, solid comedy chops. So I wonder if they fit into that because Keanu and is in a different category. So we can't put him in that. And I think you can put Michael Keaton in that category. I, I think Michael Keaton's a better actor than both of those guys. But, but I think that's a good call. But I think that he's in that category of like being able to do drama, action, and definitely comedy. Yeah. Mr. Mom and Batman all are the same people. And his, you know? Michael Michael Keaton's Dogberry is one of my favorite performances of all time. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, and Much Ado. Oh yeah. Oh, Denzel wow. and Keanu. Michael Keaton plays Dogberry, and it is it is one of my favorite performances, hands down, of all time ever that I've ever seen. That's right. I think that's one of those like saw it once. All I remember about that movie is everyone making fun of Keanu Reeves. But was he good in it or yeah? Yeah, he wasn't. No, no. no. Um, Dan, Dan, power move or lame move that you play your father in a cold open of a movie. The most this is a big conversation. Move. The most fucking powerful move. And that stash too. That's oh, by the way, little. Do you guys know who the '70s hippie is that's running to the running? So to the I only saw this, but you tell it because I just saw it randomly on uh, when I was watching it on uh, uh, Amazon. So on the rewatch, oh, I didn't see it because I watched it on Tubi last night. On the rewatch, I was like, "Is that David Crosby?" It's in, David in, Crosby. In Crosby. Also, fun little fact. Um, the first guy that gets blown up and gets thrown through his windshield, that guy's name in real life is Ron West. Ron West was a big time like Second City guy in Chicago. He also was a playwright. I did a show at Chicago Shakes. I did a uh, comedy of errors and the comedy of errors had a, it was, it was the play within a bigger play. And the bigger play was um, these like World War II uh, actors making a, uh, film of comedy of errors to distribute to the troops and ron west wrote that framework play and was there the so when he popped up i was like that's awesome he's either seagrave or crosgrove cosgrove right you're talking about one of the two guys it, yeah it's killed. cosgrove seagrave holcomb i think that's, so, that is the so he's cosgrove he's cosgrove he's the first guy that that gets blown up at his front door he walks in he gets thrown and he gets thrown into his uh, and what's the name of the company that they all worked for Oh. Lakeside Dynamics, which is just which like we don't learn about until like the eleventh hour of this movie. Which I do want to get into because watching this movie for the eighteenth time, I'm still not a hundred percent sure what they did. Did they shut down fire departments or did they kill? Did they kill firefighters? I they were can't... getting money for dead firefighters somehow. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I... I just thought they were shutting down firehouses, but yeah, they were killing firefighters for money, man. Yeah, Kurt Russell did not. Kurt Russell did not let a clean happen in those takes, did he? (laughs) He interrupts every single word that he is saying during that sequence. He is exposition explaining what's happening, and he's like, "You man, you messed up, dude. Yo, stop it." If I was the director, I'd be like, "Hey, hey, Kurt, can we get one clean? We just need one clean." He interrupts him the entire time on a roof. Blazing Fire, exposition, whole movie, can't understand a thing. William oh Baldwin God. also jumping in sometimes too. Ah, oh, man, you <laughs> fucked up. I'm like, guys, shut up. He's explaining the whole movie. If, in actors. Just saying triptochloride, just trying to get it in there. Just keep yes. it. That's, that's just going to be my role there. You but know Jeff, how hard it is to say triptochloride? Jeff, like dream though, right? Uh, You get to play your father 
And the only way to show that we're in the 70s is you're slapping on some sideburns, right? And a yeah, mustache. And, a yep. and you're rocking and rolling. I mean, that's such a, I don't know. It's such a power move. I wish they did more of that. Just like his acting, guys. I'm not 100% sure if I like it or I don't like it. I can't tell. I'm having the hardest time. Like, I just watched it and accepted it and being like, is this cool or not cool? And I was trying to think, like, who else could have done this? Like, what actor at the time did they, that wish they could have maybe gotten Eastwood? But I don't know who looks like who. And it's the best thing that it's his father and he looks exactly like him. And William Baldwin looks nothing like them and looks exactly like Alec Baldwin, who's also the biggest movie star at the time. Alec Baldwin, that's another one. That's another one in this category who could have been interchangeable. Oh, right? totally. Yes, completely. That's a great that's a great call. Yeah. Him and Kurt Russell. He just so happened to do one in for the Red October, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. I love so this here, fucking so here's era. The, so here's the big question that I have about Kurt Russell's um character, and then we're gonna move on from him. Dan, in your opinion, does Kurt Russell's character in this movie have a death have a death wish? I mean, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I think no, because his whole thing is to not get taken by fire. His whole thing is to not lose to fire. But I think that he uh, wants desperately uh, to prove that he's bigger than fire. Um, so he puts himself in positions where he can be bigger than fire and it ends up not totally getting him, but kind of getting him. Yeah, what does he actually think? What is he saying there? The fire didn't kill him, but the fall killed him? Is that what he's trying to say? That's what he's trying to say, yeah. Yeah, no, the, no. Fire, the fire didn't get me. And then the brother's like, well, technically, I just saved you. <laughs> but Yeah, I don't want right. to make an argument here, but you did die. I mean, the fire is the reason. I saved you here, oxygen. Let's, oxygen. Say, let's just say if the I building wasn't on fire, you. you would still be alive. So yeah. we can say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You didn't hide. I mean, okay. Are you saying that you died from heights? Is that what we're, are we technically saying you died from heights in this situation? Uh, I'm going to go with the opposite, Dan, just to make for argument. He he absolutely had a death wish. His scenes are totally awkward. He goes to see his wife again, where he talks to her outside and it's really uncomfortable. And then when his brother comes to see him on the boat and he has some weird, like silence of the lamb scene, which is one of my least favorite scenes. Cause I'm like, why is he acting so weird? But it's because Ron Howard's like, we want the audience to think that maybe you're the yeah. bad guy. Uh, and then, come on, dude, you go, we go, he is going to prison for the rest of his life. Oh, but he does think about the department. So he's remember, he does say like the department, I'm jumping all over the place. Cause I'm like, did he have a death? Yeah, that's death the, wish. that's why I'm asking the question, the character, the, I love his performance in it. And I think it's a great leading character, especially when the audience is supposed to be Billy Baldwin's kind of character of going through this, like for the first time. And he's like the, the grizzled veteran, but it's a little uneven like you don't know like obviously he's getting divorced he's losing control of the leadership of the house and he's kind of kind of starting to doubt himself a little bit the confidence is a little rattled while at the same time again doesn't have a mask on you know everyone's like hey we should maybe think about doing this tactically and he's like no let's hit it head on and they're like this isn't supposed to we're not feeling this out like we have a way to do this a tactical way to attack a fire so it's a little uneven i do have on here though one of the big winners of this movie is Kurt Russell drunk fighting is just oh, the best winner for sure. Guys, I'm just going to let my cat out one second. Okay. Yeah. That's my underwear. <laughs> Dan. The podcast has gone off the rails. Remember, remember when we did far and away and I got on and I was like, now I'm remembering. And I was like, full no, disclosure. Doing far and away. <laughs> well, that's because remember I forgot to watch it. 
most of these movies I've watched three times, but for some reason, my favorite movie we've done, I was like, I totally forgot to watch it. <laughs> you were all sweaty. You were like working out. You were like, <laughs> I was. That's exactly right. I was on. You, you blended, you blended yeah. a protein shake in the middle of the pod, which wasn't great for audio, but we totally were fine with it because you, <laughs> you just keep having me back. I don't understand. I don't but Dan, Dan, Kurt Russell drunk fighting. He goes back for it three times. He goes back to the well three times, which repetition wise. And as a man of comedy, uh, I just I thought it was beautiful. But wait it's a minute. Amazing. What's the best? Come on, guys. I know you all heard it. What's the beautiful comedy part from those three things that happens audio wise? Do you know, it's the woman screaming. They put oh. the woman screaming Two, it's two screams. And he's like, I can't even in in post. It makes me so happy. I can't do it. It's too high pitch. It's three. It's two women. And they scream three times every time. It's glorious, glorious. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. Those those full body punches too. I mean, he's drunk and he just throws from all the way around, all the way. Haymakers. I mean, it is a tornado of a punch. How about how about the so fucking tough guy subtle thing of grabbing his hair. With no Jackson's hair. Oh. Remember when Jackson's like, hey, how about that fuck up of a brother of yours? And he doesn't change his expression, just grabs his hair, doesn't go in quick. Like it looks like he might put his hand around his head a little bit and just grabs his hair. Oh, I fun, uh, love fun, this movie. fun day player part for that guy, right? Uh, yeah, you know, great line too. I'm, I'm, I'm opposite Kurt, I'm opposite Kurt Russell and I... I'm bleeding. Yeah. When he I'm does teasing. that, Jesus. Everything's all good. Yeah, and, that's a great uh, part. You're right. You're absolutely right. Those are there's some juicy, like, got casting. Yeah, man, I had a great role in Backdraft. I got punched by Kurt Russell. Yeah, I get to say <laughs> some just complete douchebaggery shit. And and the fun part is I have that, the drunk fighting as a winner, as a loser, I have um, anytime a fire chief's retirement party. Fucking snooze fest. Good snooze Lord. fest and also insult, just cheesy insults. Right up there with Scott Glenn introducing the two probies. Oh my God! Do we have to just oh. his, oh, hideous, no, his hideous his hideous ears? His, 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 yeah, his hideous ears. Talking about the guy who could be a male model. Seriously. Yeah. Um, it's time. Let's do uh, let's do Billy Baldwin, which means it is time to go into our sponsored segment, Dan's Acting Dojo. Um, so <laughs> here's the interesting backstory that if you go on the internet, that you'll find out about this character and this role. There are three actors that screen tested for this role. Neither of them got it, and neither of them are named Billy Baldwin. Keanu Reeves, screen tested, did not get this role. Robert Downey Jr., screen tested, did not get this role. Wow. And Brad Pitt, screen tested, did not oh. get this role. He instead, one month later, gets Thelma and Louise, which comes out one week before Backdraft comes out, and his career goes off in a completely different direction. And who had to turn down Thelma and Louise because he got backdraft, Billy Baldwin. No shit. Billy no. Baldwin. Yeah, Brad Billy Pitt. Baldwin was cast as the Brad Pitt role and then had to turn it down because he ended up getting Brad, uh, this Shut movie. the fuck up. So yeah. then my, my question is, this worked out okay for Brad Pitt, but right. did this work out for us? I'm just trying to think if Brad Pitt was in this back, it was in this movie backdraft. What, or, or RDJ. Or RDJ. Any of them, honestly. Yeah. Keanu, too. Keanu at this time, though, I think Keanu and Billy Baldwin at this time would have been, you know, interchangeable. I agree. I think they would have been exactly the same thing. Uh, so, so Billy, I think so Billy Baldwin, yeah. So Billy Baldwin's acting in this movie, Dan, just is, 
atrocious. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I mean, the, here's the, here's the thing that you can always see with him. He has he has the biggest tell, and it is what he does Look. all the time. Anytime that he has to have any sort of response, to anything. <laughs> there it is. We both did it. The look away. A little giggle and looks away. He you know when he does it, that's completely inappropriate. When his brother's about to die. Yeah. When his brother is about to die, he looks away. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I, I I can't even deal with myself. I was like, you fucking terrible actor. The first time he sees Jennifer Jason Lee and she comes up and I get that he's a little drunk, but like he knows that he, he hasn't seen her in how, three years or however long it's been. She's mad at him, he knows. And he, he, he looks at her and he goes, hey, maybe we could... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> get together or something like that someday for a beer. And she goes, a beer? A beer? I haven't seen you in six years. <laughs> what do we call that, Dan? Is that, the, is that the invisible friend method? Uh, is that the invisible friend? It's the rock method star method for sure. It's the, rock, it's the look right and look left to see your bandmates. It's the bandmate look. <laughs> we all in time? Everybody in time? One, two, three, let's go. And, and to be fair, um, is Jennifer Jason Lee also good in this movie? No, Unfortunately, well. the, we all remember, and Jeff, you, you, you teased it, or I'm sorry, Dan, maybe you teased it on the top. Making Love on Top of the Fire Truck, that was burned into my mind as a young kid of being something real, like, oh, that's so cool and, like, mischievous and, like, you know what I mean? But their, their relationship in this movie is far none the worst part of the movie and a big reason why this movie is two hours and 17 minutes long. Also, uh, well, yeah. yes, and uh, no, she's not great in this. Um, there's, I mean, she's acting off of a fucking cardboard cutout, but uh, for most of this movie, which is difficult for- And it's uh, not written great. She's not written great either, to be right. right but the, what is her, again, I'm gonna go into it again. What is her acting style? What is it? It's like, we can't keep our eyes off of her. She looks like a ghost. Uh, she looks like a mama's uh, girl in the first scene. And then she goes super sexy when she's with the alderman. Like nothing is- there's there's no stability with her character it's like i don't get it and then it has to do the weird like late 80s early 90s thing where you know the the bra comes off on the hose as the guy's pulling it and he looks at it and billy baldwin says something a little sexist and she just goes <laughs> oh gosh you know or whatever she does at the end of that absolutely well, they do they do they edit the movie where they cut to her to give some emotive expression yeah. Uh, multiple times in the movie and it's actually just pretty like it's kind of a blank page yeah. um yeah. she's done i think i've liked her in other roles um i think she's a fine actress it's just in this movie that relationship right there it just doesn't it just doesn't do it for me she she fits also, into the andy mcdowell thing for me where i just always think madeline stowe could have done it a little bit better i think in this one it's always mary louise parker i'm just always like well what about mary louise parker could have she just done it a little and again i'm not sure if i'm even right i just always find them to be interchangeable and i couldn't tell and rebecca de mornay is nine thousand times more interesting and she had so much less to do to me so much less to do we really really fucked rebecca de mornay in this yeah she, i mean she's, she's fascinating to watch and, and was just not used for anything in this yeah i mean yeah, they also none of other than the alderman connection billy baldwin and and jennifer jason lee's romance has no doesn't further the story anywhere or in any way other than the alderman connection i get i right. get it, but like 
there's no furthering of the story with that relationship. So really, like, what the fuck is it there for? Well, here's what happened. Ron Howard came up with the best idea in the world, which is while they're banging on top of a fire truck, fire the firemen are literally banging hammers or axes through a door. And you had, and he's like, I got the best idea. We're going to intercut it. <laughs> exactly. And he's like, got to do it. Got to do it. And when she does the sway, and I, this is not, when she does the sway back thing, it still affects me when she's up on the thing and she bends her body to me as an 11 year old boy. She's going down. She's starting to go down. Yeah. I can't even like. That's yeah. the thing that's seared into my brain forever. Seared. That seared. is exactly the moment that is seared into my brain. Yeah. We were all just hitting puberty when we saw it and we were like, oh my God. <laughs> and funny enough, now that we're in our thirties, uh, the Rebecca de Mornay, Kurt Russell scene is a little steamier. I'm going to go ahead and just say it. Now Absolutely. it plays, it, it plays way better in my age now with that. Yeah, that's a good oh God. Yeah, I forgot about their sex scene too. Yeah, when her leg comes over, you're like, oh my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you know there's <laughs> oh a really, God. really, really strong, strong possibility? And they, I've heard this from a lot of sources from uh, Tom Cruise podcast that she, she and Cruise actually did have sex on the train again in Chicago in, um, in, uh, uh, risky business. Oh my God. I almost forgot risky yeah. business. Yeah. Yeah. Most like there's, Really, really strong sources out there saying that they were actually having sex. And it's 1981. Times are different. Or 83. You know, times are different. So oh, a little, Getting a little steamy on Cruise Corner there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love uh, yeah, Corner. wrap up on Jennifer Jason Lee. It's just funny. Like, they, they, they don't give her a lot. And she doesn't do a lot with what so little is given to her. There is that scene. Um, it's actually beautiful. It's down, like, by the lake. And uh, and she's basically just like the only reason why she's holding back information that was going to break this whole movie open is because three years ago she was a typewriter, and last mm -hmm. year no, JT Walsh wouldn't even talk to her, and now she has this big job, and she literally like lucked into it somehow, and she can't give that up. It's just kind of a tough. It's a little bit of a tough dynamic, which kind of brings me over to what I think is the most interesting part of the movie. But they don't spend a lot of time on it. And honestly, you don't get to it till about 30% 30, 30 of it into it. Is I want to talk about the De Niro character. And more specifically, I want to talk about the interplay with him and Donald Sutherland, which is so weird, right? Because you're asking yourself, wow, this is a real, almost a walkthrough of Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs comes out in February of 91. This movie comes out in May of right. 91. So unless they're like, they're reading each other, they're watching each other's dailies. I don't, I can't necessarily say that they're ripping each other off or who got the idea first but the device is awesome right psychopath helps catch new psychopath somehow and the, the the tug and the tug and play of that the cat and mouse so de niro man de niro works baby de niro works in the 90s ladies and gentlemen i'm just gonna My rip goodness. this one through just really quick um he does two films a year almost every year throughout the 90s and you're like wow maybe one of these isn't very good well Okay, 1990, he does Awakenings and Goodfellas. 1991, what? he does Cape Fear and Backdraft. 1990, so he does take a year off. 1993, he comes back with three. This Boy's Life, Mad Dog and Glory and Bronx Tale. Yeah, but he's not, sorry, he's not taking time off in 92. He's shooting those movies that are coming out in 93. Like, right, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. 94, he does Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Okay, whatever. But 95, he comes back and does Double Tap, Casino, and Heat, both in the same year. Oh, my 96, God! 96, he does The Fan, Sleepers, and Marvin's Room. 97, he does Copland, Jackie Brown, Wag the Dog. And then 99, he does Ronan and Analyze This. I mean... 
I, I'm tr- I have not Jesus. ever felt this way before when you've read off an IMDb. I'm freaking out. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Take your time. Take your time, Daniel Day-Lewis. Take your time. Yeah. is going to be over here. Yeah. And yes. yet people still do the thing where they're like, oh, he only plays one role. You're like, watch him in the 90s. Watch. Oh, I'm sorry. Awakenings in Cape Fear. You think those are the same role? Like, are you out of your mind? He's the fucking best actor ever. That's yeah. crazy. You, you're, you're, you're the most famous out of the three of us by far. But <laughs> like, could you imagine even having two of those movies on your on your list? I'd have I'd have posters all over my house of different like my whole life would just be about the time that I was in the one Cape the Fear. one movie Cape the Fear one movie. yeah dude I was in the fan I was in the fan remember the fan him and Wesley Snipes like uh, that's an insane run and, you have and, a mask and what do you think this the <laughs> selling process was to be what is he? Is he the fourth lead in this movie? Like that's or whatever he is. He's a it's a different storyline. But that's that's a credit to him, Dan. Just real quick, is, is he third? Bill Yeah, but see, he has no problem going down the poster a little bit. Yeah, and that's what it says about him in the nineties. Parts here, right? He's on top of he's the name on top of the poster, and other parts here, he's third and fourth down. Yeah, he's the. And some and, of I think these he's performances the are movie. just as amazing. He's definitely the and in this. How about one. this one for a weird one that you don't see that often in credits? Donald Sutherland, when he's credited at the beginning of this movie, it's his name and his character. It says Donald Sutherland as Ronald. It's the strangest thing. Go back and watch the beginning of the movie again, as the it's you know Russell and Baldwin and Jennifer Jason Leigh, and it just says Donald Sutherland as Ronald. And then later, uh, De Niro gets the and. So strange. You never. See I that. would be. I, I would be curious. How is Anthony Hopkins build in Silence of the Lambs? Oh yeah, well, by far the craziest, uh, best, best actor win of all time. I think he has 18 minutes of screen time in that movie. I Jody, think that's yeah. what... is, is Jodie Foster first build in that in Silence, or is Anthony? I'm, I'm almost positive she is. Yeah, she and is. I, I, I would not be shocked. And again, we're I'm speculating because I haven't seen the movie in a while. I would not be shocked if it went Jodie Foster, Scott Glenn. And Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal, That's, and that might have been a thing at the time. But I, I agree that with you. Move. That's weird that they give the character name. And it's not in any weird. It's in a strange order. It's in a. It's it just like comes. I think it's just because they were like, we got this unbelievably famous man to play this incredible character. Guys, I got to go on a run for you here. Ready? Parole hearing. Here we go. Parole hearing that he goes to. Amazing whole sequence. Talk about an actor that can just show image the shit out of stuff. How great is Don Sutherland talking about when Shadow gets the nickname Shadow? The acting at its finest. But here we go. Parole hearing. Ronald has gone through so much work to get out of prison. He has cleared his fitness report. He got his ID 44. We have no idea what that is. He got an endorsement from his section warden and the supervising psychiatrist has cleared him, calling his progress as remarkable he has fooled everyone over the last six years that he can get out of prison shadow asks him one question what did you do to that little girl ronald and six years of work to get out of prison come on baby don't say that don't ask me that now <laughs> don't come ask now. me that you know come i got that. the itch <laughs> and he just Ooh. crumbles just a just a house of cards falls apart one question and he's back in prison <laughs> so that could have been the whole movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, that could have been its own movie. That whole it, thing, yeah, Ronald and Shadow. If, if you're like to do a sequel or something like that, or this movie also feels a little bit, Dan, like um, like a TV series, right? Like this movie feels like it could have been a TV series and they try to take all these different elements and jam it into like a two hour and 20 minute movie, which is why you have like the romance, you have mm-hmm. the brother thing, 
You have Donald Sutherland and De Niro going at it. You have this like side dynamics. You have all these different kinds of stuff going on. But it felt like it could have been a TV series. And man, this is like kind of the most, I don't know, it's like the most effective stuff. And it really is, is it is it the B story or the C story, Dan? It's a C, right? Uh, well, uh, sorry, what? The, De, uh, De, Niro, De, Niro De Niro and Donald Sutherland. Oh yeah, it's almost it's almost buried so underneath. It's not even. I mean, like they really, they really, uh, yeah, they really buried the whole investigator thing. You see De Niro pop up at the very beginning, and also a weird thing by Hans Zimmer here, where I, I felt like on rewatch, they almost try and paint De Niro as the bad guy when you first see him, or they want like. The music changes and you don't see him from the front initially. Like it takes a second to reveal that it is De Niro, even though you know who it is mm -hmm. on the jacket. It's getting ready and like walking into the fire after, you know, it's after the Billy graduates and he go, they, him and Tim go to the fire after the, they're fucking wasted. By the way, that's one completely of the completely irresponsible. Yeah, completely. Like Tim's like, we're fucking shit, man. Let's go find a fire. Tim tries to jump in and help during yeah. the fire he's yeah. like he's like can i carry a line it's like Whoa. yeah wildly irresponsible yeah, yeah big yeah. big loser in this movie showing up drunk to a 211 uh, <laughs> yeah. uh but that. yeah they, they sort of bury the whole story but yeah no i mean c block for sure c block and i sure. and i think this is where and i mentioned in the beginning this movie isn't perfect but i think this is where if i can kind of point out a criticism or a misstep is i think that some of the order of this is a little buried, right? Where my favorite, one of my, the favorite scenes in the movie is De Niro explaining how fire works, right? And it has this whole element of, I think the whole time Ron Howard's trying to create this element of, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think this is my idea. Someone's probably said it before. The fire is Jaws, right? He tries to make it like a living, breathing thing that actually moves and thinks and surprises you and dips back in. And, and yeah. they create some sort of weird sound effect underneath it where it sounds like it's actually kind of talking when it does like shriek at you a little bit. And like and it when it sucks in, it sounds like a weird inhale. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And even De Niro's like, tell me where you started. I'm talking to you. Come on, Racing. you little son of a. Yeah, it's a great scene. But man, dude, it happens like an hour and a half into the movie. Yeah, and the and the uh, cover of the movie too, um, the poster itself lends you to think that we're watching a mystery. That the movie's supposed to be this criminal mystery about fire, someone, an arsonist that started a fire. We don't know who it is, and 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 fire is this bad guy. And yet the movie itself, I'm pretty sure is the story of two brothers. So again, here's another situation where what is this movie? What is it about? Exactly. The fire sequences are incredible. Uh, yeah, there's this mystery. Yes. The De Niro part is the mystery part, but because it feels like a C story, I'm not sure what this movie's about, like, or which, who I'm supposed to actually be watching. I mean, the synopsis of it, whenever you read it, is about trying to figure out these uh, this arsonist. So the backdrop, yeah. I think mm -hmm. that the the idea behind the movie was supposed to be a mystery and supposed to be sort of like a whodunit kind of thing. Uh, but the guy who wrote this was actually a firefighter, um, and I think oh, he yeah. just, I think he just like, and then you know gets into the Hollywood fucking machine, and they're like, well, we can't, you know, we don't know how to make this super enticing so we're going to just add a whole bunch of effects and fires and like make it a more of an action movie with the, these two brothers at the core of it that you know 
Yeah, the the screen screenwriter was a firefighter for three years. Uh, multiple casts, uh, most of all, on the ensemble of the firefighters, several of those actors were actual firefighters at the time. Robert De Niro's character is based off of a real-life fire investigator, even though a lot of people oh, right. then came out and said, fire investigators said that, you know, fires can't actually think. Um, you know what I mean? It's a little bit more uh, contained to the element of physics that people like to think. Um, and, yeah, no, so they try to do a little bit of that to add that grittiness to it. But then, you know, to Ron Howard's credit, I do think he tries to take it to this, obviously, this higher cinematic level that at times works and other times doesn't. And honestly, sometimes it just comes down to the order that it comes in that I probably have my most contention with. Uh, before we get out of here, we got to do quick uh, winners and losers of this movie. So excited um, for this. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to throw just a couple out there just really quick. Um, Chicago in the early 1990s. So first of all, Jeff, this is Jordan's Please. town. That, that, that's Jordan's town you're watching right there, right? <laughs> right. I mean, honestly, like long hair hats mustaches glasses whatever i mean this is like this is like hot dog central um winners i had a couple of winner is it a winner or is it a loser um I did eating, eating lunch half naked with a bunch of your buddies is that a winner or a loser i don't know living on a boat is that a winner or a loser I don't know. living on, living on a more journey living on a landlocked boat let's be let's make it even more like you're not living on a boat you're living on <laughs> living on a piece of shit landlocked boat next to a river that's disgusting and a factory that's been shut down for 30 years. That's I am leaning towards loser on that one with cinder Great. blocks holding it up. That's a good call. Uh, Jeff, show, uh, throw me a winner or a loser. Well, I, I have a double winner or loser fire. I yeah, can't tell I'm if it's a winner or a loser. Fire. And I've got another one. The opposite of that water. I can't tell if water's the winner or loser in this. They spend more time being wet in this movie or just as much time being on fire as they do being wet. Water is a prominent part in this movie. Not only is that my favorite scene in the entire movie, the montage, which again has so much uh, male erotic stuff and I can't deal with it, where once his face just blasts himself in the face with the thing of water, slow motion, Baldwin dumps it over his helmet, over his head. They're dripping wet a lot in this movie. Did you, did hey, you, we, we, we get hot and we get wet. You know what Baldwin's I'm saying? Expression, Baldwin's expression when he dumps that water on his head is so funny. He's like... <laughs> it's so intense. Yeah, you can't you can't tell. Uh, and that would... Here's another uh, winner for sure is fire helmets. Fire helmets just seem to stop fires from ever burning your face off because there are multiple times where you're like, that man's face should be burned off right now. That's not possible. And the fire helmet just stopped it. When the fire helmet of his dad at the beginning of the movie lands perfectly on the two burning pieces of wood. Let's be honest. When you see that now, you can kind of see them setting up that shot and then the helmet falls and then some dude named Frank just tosses two boards at it and then they yep. go, we got it. Frank, toss, great Frank. job. Good, good toss. Great job. Uh, I've got, and then I told you a big winner. This is my favorite winner, lung cancer. Because lung cancer, we brought it up at the beginning, but lung oh, cancer baby. was the big winner of the day. Oh, baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the every single character, especially after, oh, oh, in the garment, when the garment fire's done, and again, water's just dripping from everything. Every single one of them smokes. And sweet Tim, who's the rookie, asks the guy, do you notice that when the camera's painting across? He's like, can I get yeah, get me one of these. And he and starts smoking. Dude takes the one out of his mouth and puts it in Tim's mouth and lights yes. up a fresh smoke up, Johnny. Yeah. Tim, yeah. Tim's a Tim's a big loser in this one, right? 
oh, Tim, poor Tim. I don't know what happened to his career. His acting, again, can't tell if he was great or not, but I love some of his acting choices. And then his face got burned off, but don't worry, he's still alive. Um, Dan, uh, winners and losers. Losers, doors. Losers uh, <laughs> in this movie, getting blown away. Winner uh, banging on top of a fire truck. I think we've said it enough, but I just want to say it again. Huge winner in my book, banging on top of a fire truck. Yep. Uh, screaming at a child in the front lawn about spinach. Loser. I, I have it right here under loser. Spinach. We don't need no singing spinach. Billy, the joke don't play no more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He also overacts on top of the roof when he and his brother chase. And he goes, remember when his brother's just like, run, God damn it. And then he goes, run, God damn it. When he's making fun of him. And it's like, yo, buddy, let's bring it down. Uh, also, like, Kurt goes, roll up that hose. And he goes, all this hose is by myself? Yeah. How about we just do one drill, Lieutenant? It's yeah, not that's a contract. He gets so overreacting, many- to your, overreacting to your older brother is a loser in this movie. He overreacts constantly. Hey, yeah, uh, for Tim just got his face burned off. We're in the hospital. Yeah, things are a little heated right now between the two heads of the company. Maybe don't go after your brother right now. Yeah. Exit signs. That's another loser when he <laughs> knocks his brother's head into an exit sign when they fight in the hospital. Yeah. Also, winner Billy Baldwin's height. I didn't realize how tall Billy Baldwin was, but in that shower scene with um with Tim and <laughs> Billy Baldwin's shower is like hitting his chest where it's supposed to, and Tim's just there like <laughs> drowned yep. by water, just He's dripping the waterfall. Just trying. He keeps the shower going. Baldwin's done. He throws a towel on, but he just went to go grab the soap. He's going to lather up hardcore. Uh, I got another one that is my number one. And from now on, I will mention this in every podcast that we talk about concussions. Concussions are never discussed. They're never talked about and no one's ever affected about him in this movie. I want to play out the scenario for you real fast. They are in a chemical fire. It is horrific. If they don't get out of there, they're going to die. So they are running at a clip. And as he's running around the corner, Scott Glenn hits him with the backside of an axe. That would possibly kill a man. But if anything, you're knocked out for an extended period of time. Nope. Pops right back up maybe uh, 30 seconds later. We didn't he's know fine. anything about CTE at this point. Like Fair that, point. That, that, that had not entered the national discussion at, 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 by 1991. Concussion? Nope. Cigarette? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hand in hand. Um, other winners I had, um, bars that only service certain types of professions. I think that's a fun, it's a really fun trope. We're only like, you know, if you are, there's a plumber's bar where only plumbers go. Um, I have another, I got another huge winner. Um, because in my opinion, if we only watch this movie with the slow motion shots, this might be the greatest movie of all time. It's when the movie isn't in slow motion is when it kind of maybe turns into just a good movie. So Biggest winner of this movie for me is uh, Bruce Hornsby. You wholesome son of a bitch. Um, he has the he, he plays the song The Show Goes On, the montage, which we're talking about with the hose in the face. That's the Bruce Hornsby. There. I That's did Bruce I, Hornsby. I intentionally didn't look it up and I wanted to ask you guys. I thought it was Christopher Cross. I couldn't tell who it was. So mm, I No, it's that's Bruce, Bruce Hornsby. Hornsby. Of course he, it is. It kind of got me thinking, like, is there anything more American? than the piano melodies of Bruce Hornsby playing over any kind of slow motion montage. It could no. literally put anything out there. I, I think of like Folger's coffee or like 
a man proudly shaving his back or a man discovering that you can put a third patty on a triple cheeseburger. Like it's just his music. You could put any of those images <laughs> over slow motion and Bruce Hornsby playing the piano, like mowing the lawn for the first time. No, like, you could take, but you could also take like traumatic moments. And if you put it to that, it's not so bad. Like a family getting separated at the border. It's okay. We got the piano playing. We're going to make it. The show goes on. It's fine. Do, do, it's fine. Do, do, do. Sure, you're never going to see dad again, but we've got the piano. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <can>. No. <laughs> but it's true. I know. It is. It they is. show right. guys in the sequence. Don't forget, it's all light and fluffy. They're training, but also a man has been fried and burned to death in a car accident, but the piano's playing. Remember, they get the chickens. The chickens are funny. Oh, yeah. And then the yeah. next shot is a dead man in a car. And they're like, don't worry. We got horns be playing. What, what, what time are we playing hoops tomorrow? Is the oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. There's a basketball game happening. Oh, we forgot about that. It's so good. It's such a huge winner for me. Uh, Chicago Bulls on helmets. Um, and then finally... Um, oh, and also old Budweiser's. I'm going to throw that one out there too. Oh, the cans look so fat. So fat. Yeah. Um, Pepsi was a big winner of this movie. Pepsi sponsored this movie for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, so we're going to end it on this. Uh, the biggest winner of the movie, in my opinion, is the fucking ending rocks. The endings, the endings fantastic. Now, from the moment we've talked about the whole pod, this is what I understand is, is what's happening here. There's a company, a shell company called Lakeside Dynamics. Lakeside Dynamics is basically going and looking at fire firehouses and hiring financiers to come up with dummy numbers to prove that the firehouses are failing. If they prove that the firehouses are failing, they cut the funding for the firehouses, they close the firehouses, and then they tear them down and turn them into community centers, and the construction company gets the contracts to do it. So it's some sort of weird shell game that is trying to help out build some sort of real estate and so scott glenn decides to kill the financiers to prove a point well but he says they were killing our guys so somehow the shutting down of the firehouses has made it more unsafe um for firemen to because remember they they don't get backup in the first garment fire because i'm trying to figure out where because he's really they don't have backup they don't have have backup backup. jeff that's great yeah by the way a great one or shot when the alderman is down after the garment fire remember that amazing shot where russell starts from the top of the building jumps down what's that does parkour it's parkour yeah that's exactly right dan he parkours his way down the camera never changes and he nails him perfectly all the way down that's a great shot so yeah i guess that it's making it more unsafe so therefore fire because remember they say in that shot something like three firemen have already died that year something like that yeah 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 yeah. we've already lost three boys this year so three men have died or something like that yeah but are they my question is this are they working together is the alderman and scott glenn working together or is it no so scott scott glenn has a cousin who works in the office of of Swayzak, who's the alderman, uncovers this this scheme or whatever and gets it into Scott Glenn's hands. So Scott Glenn decides to take it upon himself right. to kill the other three people with fire, maybe to prove that we need firefighters around to stop fire from killing yeah. just one person at a time. I uh, think but that's what we're but he doesn't want to hurt other people. So therefore, he creates a backdraft because the fire puts itself out. Because yeah. that was the whole thing is that he it would kill one person and then put itself out. And the reason why Tim gets killed is because there was a secondary door 
that see this yeah, is and, and again, he knew I'm, and he knew it and he tried to stop Kurt Russell from going but Kurt Russell is like I'm gonna go wherever the fuck I want to go exactly he does that and then Tim gets Tim gets in trouble and yeah he's a torch with a conscience as torch with a conscience yeah it, when it yeah. all would have been a little bit better to understand but unfortunately we were on the top of a building whose roof was about to collapse and the two lead actors couldn't shut the fuck up and give Scott Glenn who we have not talked about also had one of the best runs of all time. He goes from Hunt for Red October to this, to Silence of the Lambs. Oh yeah. my God. Silence of the Lambs in the same year with this movie. Yeah. Killer. And he was amazing in Hunt for Red October. Like he's, I, I can't deal with this movie. It's like an enigma. I can't, t it's not a good movie, but it's not a bad movie. The acting's phenomenal, but it's also terrible. I'm, I don't get it. Well, and, and here's the thing. And Dan, what I loved about the end of this movie too, as well, is that of course like they're they're the pyrotechnics is going off obviously like you can tell this is all practical this shoot is fucking incredible what they're doing there's that amazing slow shot where the, the fire kind of like sort of yeah. billows over the top where he's like got to go wave. and get the hose and everything and dan one of my favorite parts about this and it's so smart is i don't know why movies don't do this more of like they actually show this amazing shot of what looks like two firefighters with an axe about to go at it with each other and it and and then they decide because it makes no if they fought in that movie it would make zero sense. But Ron Howard says I still want that shot anyways. So they still get that really cool shot, and then at least have this moment where he breaks down and can't do can't do, like they can't do it and they become teammates again. Incredible. Like, I think that it's actually really smart. Like if you want to do something in a movie, you can still do it, but at least bake it into where the character goes with it and not like you know not cheat or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, this movie covers another uh, thing that you can only have in movies, which is the bad guy hearing the conversation of exactly what's going on. They can't just go to a corner, the two brothers, and discuss, hey, guess what? It's Scott Glenn who's the bad guy and whisper to each other. No, they're yelling at each other, and Scott Glenn is standing out the window, and he sees everything because you got to have the great window shot with the bad guy. Yeah, you got to have him appear, and then he knows, and oh, it's great when he's got the light socket burned into his back. Just fantastic. Another great cinematic shot too. Jennifer Jason Lee's in the car and, and Ron Howard's got the camera set up where you can see her face perfectly in the side mirror. But that also means that Billy Baldwin's junk has to be in the first third of the frame <laughs> while she hands the file to him. So it's just basically his junk. Second third of the frame is her face. And then the third part of the frame. Uh, final question for you guys. I, I, I don't think I have the answer to this one. Is this the best elements movie of all time? Oh, so, so we've got earthquake. Uh, we've got we've got the ha the happening. I think it's twister. I think twister. it is twister. Yeah. But like um, you know, like um, the per perfect storm, uh, Armageddon, perfect the storm happening, really the happening because the wind Storm's kills really people. Yeah. yeah, perfect storm was the water one. For San, Andreas. San Andreas. San Andreas. It's the best firefighter movie. In my Remember hard rain. Remember, did you guys ever see hard rain? Remember that movie? Oh my god! Wait, Christian awesome. Slater. Christian Slater. Yeah. 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 This was terrible, though. Oh, yeah. I'm just <laughs> trying to remember, like... Fucking garbage. Um, but, yeah, Element movies, I would say Twister's probably uh, better I than... Think, I think so. think so. But this might be up there in the top three Element movies. Perfect Storm and Twister, I think, are better than this. Um, I, I, I always think of Rewatch, though. Like, which one do you want to watch the most, Dan? Twister. Twister, right? Twister, yeah. yeah. I'll yeah. Watch this Twister is, this is not far... This is definitely not far away. For sure. No, uh, not far. Far away. and away. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I'll watch Twister just for the steak scene. Uh, like the, like I'll watch Twister for the whole movie, but really just for the steak scene over any of those movies that we just listed. Yeah, big miss, right? I mean, they had that scene where they're all eating food and stuff like that. And firefighters, yeah. it's it's such a trope where the firefighters have to make huge copious amounts of food for the rest of the firefighters and feed them. And honestly, like I'd have firefighters come into the restaurant all the time and these dudes would come in all like yoked with the exact same $8 haircut that I think they all got from the same barber. And they would just load up on like turkey sandwiches and cheeseburgers and shit. And like, man, this movie was probably missing a really good food movie scene. I, mean, I will give you guys credit. I have no tie, as you guys know, no tie whatsoever to Chicago. And doing this podcast with you over the last couple of years, I have fallen in love with the city. Like, it's incredible. It's an incredible place. The accents are incredible. The people, the actors that the city keeps using over and over again. You, you keep know, seeing them, yeah. Keep yeah, seeing them in all these movies. The, the, yeah, the community is really interesting when you start to see it's not just the Amy Morgans of the world, but all these other actors that keep just popping up in movie after movie, especially when they shoot in Chicago. Uh, I'm going to leave you on this. This is a personal story of mine. Um, the kid who plays Kurt Russell's son, his name is Beep Imes, the kid who puts the grape in the jelly, went to high school with him. Oh. Um, went to high school with him. In high school, he was a DJ named DJ Anubis. Um, and I shit you not, I don't mean to step on his block right now, but this is very true. The guy all throughout high school would try and get laid by telling people that he was in the movie Backdraft. And I'll tell you something right now. Um, the young women of the early 2000s could give less of a flying fuck uh, than really? he was in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he was, he was in this movie. He's also in The Babe, I believe, too, as well. Those are his two acting credits. But I went to high school with him. The Babe, um, now are you saying The Babe or Babe? Two very different movies but similar titles uh john john not john, oh, goodman, john goodman john goodman not uh not pig not pig snouts uh, yeah, yeah not, yeah. not, not cromwell <laughs> but i'll never forget that he kept trying to chuck that out there like years and years and years afterwards you know i was in backdraft they're like what the f what? what is back <laughs> yeah, who cares i was listening to this dave matthews band song do you mind we're late <laughs> we're late for the guys were like that's fucking awesome dude <laughs> But we had to call DJ Anubis, so it wasn't cool. And I'm oh, sorry, what did you say his name was? Beep Imes. And his DJ saying... name was DJ Anubis. Wow. Yeah, Beep. B-E-E-P-I-A-M-S. Beep his Imes. Name is Beep. His name is Beep. really Beep. That's his real name. His parents held him for the first moment of, of his existence out of the womb and said, let's call him Beep. They went, they went, Beep. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sitting, I'm sitting there I'm blanking on names and there's all these little sounds going off in the in the room and there's you know it's just little beeps going off and it just kind of hit me you mean your wife's heart rate you mean your wife's heart you were just hearing the monitor yeah but that's what I mean yeah so you know it's always related you know like every time I say my son's name I'm gonna think about my wife's heartbeat beep beep This was the 1991 film, Backdraft, uh, the 32nd anniversary coming up right around now, May 24th, when you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for coming in to Bet on Chicago. I'm Joey Christopoulos. You can find me at Joey Sports Guy. Promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. NBA playoffs going on right now. MLB on the daily, so make sure you go to betonline.ag. My good friends, uh, my gentlemen that I'm showing support to on the picket line, Mr. Jeff Meacham, Mr. Dan Sanders-Joyce. Godspeed, good luck. 
get that deal done. Thank you so much for coming in the pod, everyone. We'll be back with more. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. And remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.